Shareable is the podcast fueled entirely by curiosity. Every episode features exciting guests who share valuable advice and insights, how-to guides, and practical takeaways. Join me as I explore the awe-inspiring stories about overcoming the odds, the secret formulas that gave each guest their unique superpower, and the moments that remind us of our shared humanity. Get ready to be excited, delighted, and possibly even astonished, because this podcast is shareable. Remember, if you like this episode, think about who else you know who would like it and share it. It might even start the conversation that changes the course of your life. My guest today is Sean M. Doyle. He's the principal at Fitzmartin, Inc., a leading consultancy focused on sales, marketing, and management, sales and marketing technology services, and revenue operations. Sean and his team at Fitzmartin are focused on long-term value creation through sales-first scientific approach to driving revenue. In over a 25-plus year career and more than 5,000 client engagements, Sean has amassed unmatched expertise in helping B2B companies sell more to their most profitable customers. In this episode, we talk about a lot of different things, including the concept of agency, the ability to affect change in our lives, and how we often forget that fact far too often. But this episode has one real big key takeaway that I want you to walk away from it with, which is that it's not about you, it's about them. When you focus on your buyer and let that be the center, guiding your marketing and sales, marketing and sales can be predictable and scientific. It no longer has to be blue sky creative that's based on a hope and a prayer. This episode is shareable because it is practical, insightful, and surprising. I hope you enjoy this episode of Shareable. Uh, here's where I'd actually like to start. So, Sean Doyle, welcome to Shareable. Thank you for coming on and and speaking with me. Um, I think just as a good starting point, like give your give your like thirty second headline. Who are you? What's what's your deal? Oh man, that's a good that's a good lead. Um, and I should have prepared for that, right? So well, it's good I, when you I, do I'm it a... off the cuff too, because it's authentic. <laughs> well, I'll say it this way: I've been in marketing and sales for thirty years. I've helped over five thousand different client engagements and. The cool thing about where I am at life is, and I know you love frameworks, Jeff. So uh, I found a framework that makes sense. It's vetted. It's tested. I've been using it since 2002 and I'm old enough. I'm ready to share it. I just, why not give it away? Not, I can't work for everybody in the world. What am I thinking? So I love sharing and helping people because uh, you, know, you said a couple of things right before you came on, like life should be big. Life should be full. It's not about holding something good close to the vest. It's about sharing. So yeah. shareable. Here we are. I dig it. Awesome. Well, on that note, uh, and we'll get into that in a bit. I want to start out uh, with very practical shareables. I think it's a good good way to start out an episode is to be like really, really focused in on some things that are worth sharing. So I want to ask you about some things that you think are worth sharing. Uh, I'm going to go through four quick things that are just recommendations from you. So the first one is, uh, what's a book that you've read recently or a book that you would generally recommend that people read? I like to. I'm a big reader, so I always like getting recommendations from people. Well, River Runs Through It is the best book I've ever read, I think. So River that has nothing to do with this, though. But it's, What's it know, about? It's about fly, fly fishing. Um, oh. You, know, you remember the old movie, the Brad Pitt movie, River Runs Through It. And yeah. From a book about Montana in the early days when men were men and, you know, fly fishing in Montana and fighting forest fires. And it has nothing to do with business at all. But, man, that's I love fly fishing. So that's that's the book I'd tell you to go read. I appreciate <laughs> that, especially that because one, didn't I didn't, but like, and that's actually one of the things I really appreciate about the question is that, you know, chances are, if you were to give the name of a business book, something marketing, sales, psychology, whatever, um, at least for me, I probably about a 40% chance I've read it, um, or at least have it in my bookshelf. Uh, so I love getting things that are outside of it because creativity, as you probably are aware, being in marketing for 30 years is not about you know, gathering a, a body of all connected knowledge, but sometimes about connecting mm -hmm. disparate ideas. And I think bringing in that unique, something I yep. wouldn't necessarily <clears throat> think of is is a really great thing that you've given. One, one of our core values at, at Fitzmartin is uh, where I work is um, be, be interested, be interesting. And the only way to be interested and interesting is to be curious, to read a lot of things and to get out of your own space. And, and like you're saying, I, I've discovered if you if you read something on physics albert Feynman or whatever and then you go read something about electricity and then you read something about fly fishing it all matters then when you're meeting with a professional services firm it's trying to figure out how to sell better 
right? Yeah. You can bring all these experiences. You know, my bookshelves are filled with uh, mementos of my experiences through life. And, and I can apply anything from just about any experience I've had in life to that. And, and it's great. It's a great way to go through life. So be interested, be interesting. That may be, that, is that number two? That's number two. No, that... What do you mean? That was my second tip. Oh, your second tip. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's the second one I've got for you. The second question I have though. So I've asked you a book that you recommended. What's something that you've watched recently that you would recommend that somebody else go and watch? So this could be a YouTube video. It could be a documentary. Mm. It could be a Netflix show. It could be a movie. It could be anything. So long as it's something that you would have to watch. Yeah. Such a great question. Um, have I mentioned a river runs through it? No, <laughs> um, great book. Great. Movie. Brad <laughs> is actually the book by it's a young Brad Pitt. So it's a very different. Brad mm. Pitt. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the most interesting thing I've watched recently was a YouTube video that one of my clients shared with me. Um, and I'm going to forget lollipop leadership. If I remember, okay. and uh, I'm going to take it to our company retreat. And it's all about uh, the impacts you can have just by being human and real. And, and, uh, it was a story. This guy, it was a great story. Uh, he's really funny. He must be a comedian. He's such a good communicator, but he, uh, just was sharing lollipops with people one day at, um, college, like the first day of college. And, uh, I'm going to look off screen here and try, try to find it in a quick way. Cause it's such a good one. Uh, Drew Dudley. So look up Drew Dudley, everyday leadership. And Got it. it was I'm just a fun, quick view. And uh, make sure you get a, uh, you know, a, a lollipop because you're going to hear the good, a good story. And um, I actually bought a bag of lollipops. I'm going to start handing them out. I don't know if That's I'm going to be as goofy as Drew, but it's a great story. It's worth listening to. So, and, um, you know, we're all leaders, you know, I mean, every day, every interaction we have with people, uh, you can uh, be forgettable or you can have an impact on a life. And, and, and he did. So, you know, hey, we all have the same problems. You know, I love that. We all have the same wins and losses. And so back when I was running my agency, um, uh, I had a woman that worked for me. She was awesome. And both of us, one day we just came into in, in a funk and it was a small agency at the time. It was just me and her. And we both came in and we were like, we're just not feeling it. Right. And we looked at each other and we're like, let's go do something fun. So what we did was we took a stack of post-it notes and we put smiley faces on them and wrote, you are awesome. And we walked around <laughs> old city, Philadelphia, finding people and handing them out. And it was really interesting, the the reactions we got. And we put it on Snapchat. It was just like a thing. We reached out and we we're like, hey, can we give you some? And they were like, yeah, you're awesome. So we yeah. it was kind of our version of the lollipops as well. But it put a smile on our face on a day where we both came in and we were just kind of in a funk. That's great. I love it. Yeah. Just getting outside of yourself, right? Yeah. yeah it was a so good time. often we're rewarded when we do that. And that's, yeah. that's great. I think that's part of not to speak for Drew, but um, you know, it's a it's a good, it's a good view. Make sure you uh, check that one out. I think Drew would approve of what we did. Well, okay. So the third question is, uh, you're probably noticing a trend here, but what's something you've listened to recently that you think people should go and listen to share something. Mm. It could be a podcast, it could be an audio book. It could be uh, a song. It could be anything that you think is worth listening to. Okay. This is going to be an odd one, but I think it's powerful and it's something I bet less than 1% of your listeners have ever listened to get on Spotify and mm -hmm. go Google, uh, King's college, uh, choir and organ music. And if you've never been in a cathedral, especially in Europe, King's college is obviously um, England, but if you've never been in that cathedral, last one I was in was Notre Dame, obviously before it burned and heard an organ being played and the way it reverberates. And, and, you know, there's an expression that there's uh, angels in the architecture. And then you add uh, to that uh, this music and, and choir and a boys choir and a big voice. And, and you know, it's just such a, an opposite um, perspective of what we listen to typically. And, and I'm listening, I'm just as glad to listen to John Holcomb and rap and modern pop. And I'm, I'll listen to all of it. But the other day I was just thought, you know, I'm going to listen to King's choir and hear that beautiful Vitor Takata music and, and, uh, and, and just let that fill me. And it really does fill your soul in the way that it, it bounces around a room. And uh, so, yeah, I think that that uh, if once you're done reading and watching Drew Dudley, I think put that on now. I mean, seriously, I just just do it. It's such a it'll get you out of your out of your normal space. And 
um, you know, right now my, some of my daughter is rolling her eyes cause I used to make her to listen to that kind of stuff. And she's like, dad, you know, first of all, like a, a good piece of classical music with a choir could be six, seven, eight minutes long. And that's way beyond a modern point of view around, you know, listen, 30 seconds, hit forward, hit forward. I'm not even, I'm going to sound like the old guy. If I say you should listen to an album, like what's the best album? I'm with you, man. Something, you know, exile. I'm with you. I was brought up on progressive rock by my dad. You know, I'm a Pink Floyd guy. Like you give me like a 25 minute song. I'm like, I mean, that seems reasonable. My first album ever was uh, the wall. And uh, I can remember lying on the floor, turning my dad's speakers up way too loud. Don't tell dad, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, and, uh, just, you know, hearing that music go back and forth and, you know, yeah, it's just an amazing, just take time and slow down and listen to a collection of music. At least in the old days, people, uh, when they dropped music, they would drop an album because it was a collection that meant something. So yeah, Exile on Main Street line. is the best album in history, in my opinion. So if you want to listen to some old classic rock Little Rolling I will put, Stones. I will put that on my uh, list as well. My my Come favorite on. album of all time. If I had to pick it, well, it's tough to say favorite album of all time without being um, biased in the fact that I would probably pick either uh, Wish You Were Here or Dark Side of the Moon because I'm a huge Floyd fan. But I would probably say if I had to pick one just out of, this has to be the best album ever put together, is Miles Davis' Kind of Blue. I just Ooh. could listen to that start to finish time and time and time and time again. Every right. single time I'm amazed. Out of time? Out of time was iconic. I, I, I have Changed not got music it. forever. I, I will have to add that to my list as well. I've been completely wrapped up on kind of blue, but I will add out of time to my, to my out of, list. You got to, because it's all about time signatures and what was happening there was revolutionary in a, in a kind of post-war era, big band sound radical change so yeah, yeah. so much definitely got to do that there. there's, right, there, you know, there's a whole of... lifetime of things to explore and beyond exactly. there's an eternity of things to explore i can't wait exactly and that's why i love starting out the show this way is you know we've got three things right now that that people unlikely have heard those three answers to the question the book to read the thing to watch the thing to listen to the final shareable question uh, to start out with i just like to ask what is something that you've learned recently that you would share with people that they may not know about something you've learned recently. Mm. It could be literally anything. And I think that's the thing I love so much about this question. It has to, it doesn't have to be anything related to what you do professionally. It could just be a thing mm. that you just learned and you find interesting. So I used to work with a wonderful woman named Farrell Bischoff and Farrell uh, always had a sticky note on her computer screen and, or maybe it was taped on there or something. Off the edge, uh, you know, not on the monitor. And it said the lesson will be repeated until it is learned. And that quote has always stuck with me. Thank you, Farrell. And uh, I think the the thing I've recently learned is agency, not ad agency. Who cares? Mm-hmm. We're a million of us. But agency, we have agency. You know, I hear so many people complaining and, and whining and whether it's something small or something big or a problem with a, a, a client or a problem at home or whatever, but you have agency in life. You know, there's, uh, I'm a believer in, in, uh, in God and the Bible and the ancient scriptures, and there's all kinds of, of agency lessons. And like you, you can impact your world. You, you don't have to feel out of control. Um, you know, when I, this morning, Good example. This morning, I sat down with my cup of coffee, and my habit is to scan Apple News and then scan the Wall Street Journal. And I thought, you know what? I have agency. I don't have to read because the first six stories, we don't even have to get into it. You know, it was died, shot, bad economy, blah, blah, blah. Because that's what's so weird. Jeff, you're a marketer. I'm a marketer. Benjamin Franklin, uh, you know, was a marketer. Nobody thinks about that, but he, he owned a, a newspaper in the area of Philly, I think it was, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he, you know, the, the, the conflict on the homepage is not a new idea because it sells papers. And, but, you know, you have agency, just turn it off, turn it off. I, quick story. I told, I turned off the news. I was challenged to do this. I turned off the news for one year. Now, earlier, I just got done saying, listen, be informed, experience a lot of different things, and that'll make you you know, better in business, better in life. But I took the challenge. I turned it off. And a year later, I turned it back on. Jeff, I, I promise you it was the same stories being run a year later. Yeah. 
Now, you know, if, if something massive happened, I, I read about it. I wasn't ignorant of the world. Yeah. Right. You heard about it. Friends talked about it. You had to read something, you know, if, if, uh, if a disaster happened, you had to look, or if something great happened, you had to look, but, but for the most part, just getting rid of that daily, like take agency and just get rid of the poison. Get, you, you don't have to be the, the consumer. You don't have to be the consumer on Facebook. I'm watching this group. We have, um, in Facebook and it's, it's an area that we love to go to and, and have, uh, vacations and, and, uh, be tourists in and mountains. It's cold year round. It's great. It's beautiful. And all these people are just whining about all the tourists and how it used to be great. And, and my wife and I look at this area and go, it is great. That's why the tourists are there. It is amazing. That's why the, the great restaurants are there because the tourists are there. So when you whine about there's no parking because of the tourists, there's also, if you get rid of the tourists, there's no great restaurants. So if you get rid of the tourists, the downtown dies. If you get rid of the tourists, um, and I did, this is how wonky I am. I did a quick economic study. If they get rid of the tourists, it's about $195 million economic impact on a town of 900 people. Wow, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Just, I mean, have agency, celebrate, turn stuff off. You don't even have to celebrate. Just don't, just don't buy anything. I'm getting on my, am I preaching? Am I allowed to preach no, here? Okay. You're I like, I mean, hey, hey, look, we have all different types of guests here on shareable. Well, I appreciate <laughs> you starting out with these, uh, these shareables for us. And, and I think they're good lessons and good things to share. Um, but I want to get into your story now. I want to talk a little bit about your journey and what we're here to talk about today. Um, I bring people on because everyone has something that they can teach. Everyone has something mm. that they know that is useful. And I like to focus on the things that are most tangible and practical and immediately useful for people. So in that vein, uh, I know you have this framework you you kind of teed up and queued up and hinted at a little bit. So what do you want to talk about today? And why do you think that that's important for people listening right now to stay tuned in for? Well, let's start with this. First of all, who cares? Another marketer with another framework. Come on. I'm bored. I mean, already. I do. I love frameworks because I just keep taking <laughs> all of them and I continually summarize until I have like the perfect collection of frameworks. So you at well, least have one interested party in me. Um, but, okay. You know, well, look, let's talk things that are tangible, things that are useful, things that are applicable. These are things that are shareable and they're things that are worth tuning in for. So I'm going I, to give you the free reign to care about it and, and assume that everybody listening cares about it. I think, well, and it's not a lack of confidence that I say that with. I, I yeah. say that actually from the polar opposite. And uh, for many, many years, I had, um, I mean, probably two decades, I had a really good agency that did beautiful work and occasionally made a difference and, and helped a, a business achieve its goals, whether that was revenue goals or, or any other goals. Um, but most, most often we were working on revenue, um, sales and marketing problems. Um, but I didn't know how to be repeatable. And I didn't know why when something worked, it did work. And why when it didn't work, how to break that apart. Uh, and in uh, 2002, I went from being a marathoner uh, to unable to walk up the stairs at my house. Drove to work one day, fell asleep in the parking lot in my car. And just something was wrong, right? So I got this... Um, oh, I lost I you for was, a second, sir. I lost uh, you for a second. You say you fell asleep in the car. You said something was wrong. Yeah. All right. Okay, yeah, I hope you have a good engineer. I'll do a pickup there. Yeah, don't worry. We got this. I'm the engineer, so it's all great. <laughs> so you're going to roll your eyes at this, Jess, uh, because it, I, I'm in the deep south. So uh, on this cold February day in 2002, I got this call from a doctor who let me know uh, a chronic illness. So. So that's fine, the illness thing. But how was it, Doyle? Well, it was probably 70 down here. It was crazy. <laughs> Just freezing. Um, that's hoodie weather yeah, in the so South. So this chronic illness, <laughs> it's no in the South, get out your furs. Because uh, you only get to wear them three days a year. But book yeah. uh, was introduced to me. You know, when you have a crisis like that in your life, Life, and everybody listening has had uh, it forces you to rethink things and and I wanted to go through the rest of my career standing on solid ground and uh, this framework was uh, you could say it's providential or coincidental but it, I was given a changing for good and the trans theoretical theorem of behavioral change which we call centricity because I think it's a little easier um, yeah that is easier to is, say. That's, that's less of a mouthful. <laughs> 
if you'll just change your point of view about a buyer's journey and think about everything from the buyer's point of view, then sales and marketing can both be way more effective. So buyer's journey, that's nothing revolutionary. What was revolutionary in the book was that there are best practices, we call them. They call them processes, best practices. There's nine best practices that can be used as somebody goes through the journey of changing behavior. And, and what is selling and buying? Helping somebody else change their behavior, right? They're buying from somebody else. They're, they're buying a product or a service and it's not yours. So if you have integrity and you've got a great product and your product could help them or your service could help that buyer more, then you should be missional in your approach to, to sharing that, right? And telling that. But you've got to remember the buyer's in control through that entire journey. So often I hear conversations about, well, how do we create sales and marketing alignment? I, it is the most boring question I've ever heard because if you create sales and marketing alignment and you don't do it around the buyer, who cares? The only way to create marketing and sales alignment is to understand what the buyer needs as they go through the change. And at that point, if marketing understands what the buyer needs and sales understands what the buyer needs, then marketing and sales are aligned because they're both focused on centrally the buyer. So that's the, there's your insight. You can get rid of all the books, all the consulting, all that stuff. The way to create marketing and alignment is understand the buyer. And the outcome of that is sales and marketing alignment. So All right. I'm getting going and I love this stuff, but that just became this aha moment. And the end of that story in 2002 goes like this. My largest client, about 60% of my revenue called and said, Hey, that was a big company. So they had many agents. names. These buyers know us, not buyers, they're prospects. They're, they're highly valuable prospects and they know us. We know them. I mean, there's no, there's no mistaking here. Two agencies have failed. We fired them both. Uh, would you like to try? Well, anybody who's ever had a gorilla client knows you have to say yes. And yet And what the other agencies created more awareness around the bank, more awareness around the need of what the bank did. Well, guess what? Banking has parity. Nobody's surprised at what the bank has to offer. They just want money. What we said is let's look late stage and I know you love superpowers. Fitzmartin superpower is mid to late stage funnel selling. And the reason we're great at it has nothing to do with us being smart. It has to do with us seeing how behaviors changed and working in tandem with sales and applying the six of the nine best practices that work when you close a deal. So we did it. We applied the six. We spent the bank's money differently. They approached it differently. We worked with sales, which was something the other agencies did. And they closed $380 million of business in four weeks. It was incredible. So we did that job for 13 years uh, until a, a wise Spanish bank bought the American Southeast Bank and fired everybody, including us. All right. So we there's so, so many things we have to dig into on that. I, I, the, oh, the, I guess great the place... Stuff. There's a lot there. So, okay. So there's a couple things I want to, um, to touch on and I want to take them one kind of one by one. So I'm going to, I'm going to try and ask one question at a time here. So I guess you had mentioned that you had had this health issue and you thought about the, where your career, where you wanted to go with it, how you wanted it to run things like that. So for those that are listening and are trying to apply this, this lesson that we're going to walk through together and how you applied it in this and that, what are sort of the markers that they might look for, the frustrations, the things that are bothering mm. them, the things that are concerning to them, the things that, you know, are distressing them or causing anxiety? Like what are what are the things that are kind of the telltale signs that they're in a similar position? Aside from getting a call like, hey, you've got a chronic illness, what are kind of the telltale signs that they might want to <laughs> apply the lessons we're going to learn here for the future of their career? Yeah, you're, the businesses that 
that we can help are the ones whose leadership recognizes their chronic illness is they keep wasting money in sales and marketing. They spend too much to close deals. As a result of that, they're not achieving their personal goals. They're not achieving their corporate goals. And I say that in order intentionally, right? I mean, you've, you, a business, the leadership, the business, the owner of the business should be served by that business. And people who are just frustrated with that, frustrated with wasting money or not understanding what they're doing, people who keep going to creatives. Uh, and I, I, I want to call it hope, hubris, and hype. So hope keeps spending money uh, on marketing and sales and, and for work. So they just get another set of people and they do it again. Um, hubris, I mean, that's buying into uh, the sales guys who just say, I don't need it. I don't need marketing. I can do. So sales saying they don't need marketing. I understand why they do it because they've rarely worked with a marketer who added value late stage when the deal is getting close. And if my income comes from a deal that closes, I don't want anybody messing with it. Doesn't know what they're doing. So that's, I, I get that, but, but sales guys can have a little bit of hubris to them. I'm sure marketers can and a hyperbole, right? Market agency types like you, like me, like male hyperbole, we got all kinds. We're gonna change the world, and da, 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 da. you know. So people buy into those four things, and instead of looking for something boring like a framework <laughs> that's codified, that's proven, and the reason, I mean, I, I will tell you this framework, and it's if you go to fitzmartin.com/slash/free/help, fitzmartin.com/slash/free/help, it's there. Have it. Give it a whirl. It's incredible. Um, try to apply it. It's it, It'll work. It, but it will work for more than just sales and marketing. This is how people change. Uh, if you've got a cultural change in your business that you need to, to impress upon them, you want to change the culture of your business, you've got to take people through behavioral change from one culture to a new culture. If you've got a new product launch, you've got to take people through behavioral change. If you're trying to steal market share, you've got to go through a behavioral change. So this can be any kind of behavioral change. Uh, we just look at it and say, this is brilliant for sales and marketing because I can get rid of, you don't have to have anything else. And I love to equip leaders to ask a few questions and, and that those questions should be around the framework. You know, the, here, here's your easy Easy test number one, the agency that you're working with, ask them this question or your internal marketing department, ask them this question. Explain to me the difference of what we do from a sales and marketing point of view for someone who's never contemplated buying from us versus somebody who is getting ready to take action and become a client. And if they don't have very specific answers for that, then you've got the wrong person. That means they haven't even thought about it. If they do have answers for that, you need to ask them what the basis of those answers are. And if it's anything less than science or something third party, I'd suggest you need to move past them as well. Because the problem with agency people and salespeople is we're all smart. We can make up something off the cuff, right? Yeah. So you got to ask that next question, like, what's that based on? And you can't say experience. Yeah. yeah. So what? <laughs> all right. Let's dig so. deeper into it. Um, so we kind of, we have, I think, a pretty good setup here, right? So you were going through something. You wanted to change the way that your business functioned, and you wanted to create something that was a little more predictable, that was able to be, you know, a process and a best practice that you could apply and have repeatable results. You got this opportunity. Door gets opened up for you to take on this whale. You have overwhelming success. It rocks. And for people who are listening who are going through similar things where they're, they're either frustrated about wasting money on sales and marketing, or they feel like they're not delivering for clients who feel like they're wasting money on marketing and sales, you've developed this framework. So I want to talk a little bit about yeah. that framework because you've referenced it and I know it's on the website, but I figured people are listening right now. We've got their ear. Let's explore it just a little bit. Yeah. You also mentioned that it's applicable to not just marketing and sales, but also it can be applicable in leadership behavior change or any sort of behavior change. So talk to me Absolutely. about this. Like, what is, what is this? How do you, um, because you mentioned at the beginning, talking about creating a line between marketing sales around what the buyer wants, like really around that buyer journey and what the buyer wants. And you're applying that now and saying it can be used in other ways. So take me through it a little bit. Explain what is this framework that you're talking about, this centricity? What are... What are the steps that you take to gather those answers? What are the steps you do to apply those answers? Walk us through it. Explain how it works. This is going to have to be a really long episode. 
I can give you a real high level example. Yeah, let's do it uh, high level because you got the resource you said people can go download. So yeah. take us through the high level of it let's, so that people get a sense of what it's for. Let's focus on the number one mistake that I see because that probably will apply to most people. So the number one error is people who are trying to create awareness. And so many agencies come in and talk about awareness. I have a prospect right now who says they brand awareness, uh, but it's a smallish business and brand awareness. What's that mean? You know, I, does it matter? Does brand awareness matter even? Well, you, if you're not aware that something exists, how can you buy it? I'll, I'll give you that. Someone's going to find, you know, get attention, but, but the, we could look at the Ford Edsel, um, you know, in uh, 1958, I believe it was, Ford uh, created this car, the Edsel. And it's you and I probably have heard of the name uh, of the Edsel because it's famously a disaster, right? Ford spent about dollars in today's money uh, to develop and market this car. So just for a quick point of view, Coca-Cola last year spent $4 billion in marketing. So... Ford spent a lot of money here, right? This is not, but why did the car fail? Uh, it didn't fail because people were not aware that the car existed. Everybody knew the car existed. Just nobody cared. <laughs> it, was, it was an irrelevant product. And I think that's the thing that you've got to start with. When you, when you say you want awareness for your business, for your brand, for your idea, why? Um, well, I mean, awareness doesn't really move the needle. It might, you know, you, you could have this big funnel idea and well, we created a million people know it exists then half a million get interested in it. You know, okay, whatever. That's incredible. Maybe that works for consumer. I'm a B2B guy. I want to, I want to help sell large CapEx uh, deals. And the way to do that is you find your target account list, right? This is not new stuff. And you reach mm -hmm. out to that target account list, but you don't tell them, Hey, we exist. We're, we're over here. We exist. That's boring. I'm bored. I'm bored to death. You, you help agencies and you've got an agency audience, Jeff. So I'll give you a simple example. If I get uh, an agency consultant, some guy like you, and uh, if you call me and say, hey, Sean, I am an agency management guy. I can help you manage your business better. What's my, what's my response to that? Yeah. You're like you and how many other thousands do the exact yeah. same thing? <clears throat> Yeah, I just don't care, right? But if you call and say, you know what, Sean, if you're, I'm an agency expert and I find that most agencies spend more than 45% of their adjusted gross income on salaries. So you're either underpaying yourself or overpaying your team if that's the situation. And I'm an agency expert that can come in and help you understand that. Would you like to explore that, that more? Oh, now you made it. You, so you, what did you do? So I, we call it pain mapping at Fitzmartin, but you made it relevant to me financially, strategically, and personally. Well, that's a much better, it didn't, I don't care that you exist. Sorry, Jeff. But what it's I care good. about is how can you solve my, my personal pain, my strategic pain, and my financial pain? Because who's that about? It's about me, the buyer. It's centric. It's centric to what I care about. So centricity is that application. So don't create awareness, create centricity that gives you relevance, that has that personal financial strategic application, and that has an insight. If you're saying, if you're doing, I'll just say ads, if you're doing ads that say, hey, we exist, there's a place for that, sort of. But most often what you want to do is create relevance, reveal insights, personal financial strategic and give some data point that lets me know you actually understand. So, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go up to another agency problem here. If you're an expert in something, let's say you sell Haberly Schmooks and you know Haberly Schmooks better than anybody, right? I mean, you, you've got me nailed there. That is absolutely my expertise. You are an expert. So if I'm the agency coming in to interview you, Jeff, about Haberly Schmooks, I, I get the high level concept. I already said agency people are smart. You know, we're creative. We're interesting. We do a little research. We get on Google five minutes before the meeting. So we don't sound stupid to you. And I get the high level concepts. But when I create that ad, I now can't say, Jeff, I know that you shouldn't spend more than 45% of your adjusted gross income on your, south, your staff. 
in the Hubley Spluk company. And that's the data that gets my attention, the buyer's attention. I don't, so what if you know the basics? You know, we, we did a, a, a campaign for a, a business that creates, we'll just call them computers that run the electric motors uh, in an industrial application. And there's an anomaly that happens with the electrical grid going to these computers, to these motors that creates a messed up sine wave in the electrical system. It's called a harmonic. I can't even explain it to you, right? It's just like, what is a harmonic? I've got no idea. Well, we created that piece of content, a four hour piece of content, plus written content, plus snippets. And it's been the highest percent for that business for six years straight. And it didn't say, hey, we make your motors run better. It dealt with this pain point, this strategic pain that was so deep and that became a financial pain. And if you were an engineer, it was a personal pain because you couldn't figure out this problem, this problem. Um, and so, I mean, that's like, that's the beauty, but you've got to, the agency's willing to root around to get down to that. And you probably won't even understand it um, by just listening to Jeff, the CEO of Hubbley Spluk Incorporated. I got to go talk to Jeff's customers. So when, when the agency says, or anybody helping you, or salespeople or whatever, they say, I need more time. I got to go talk to customers. Ah, I know my business. Yes, Jeff, you, you do know the Hubbleish Blue business better than anybody. However, we've got to be centric to what the buyer considers, not you. I know what they're going to say. So I actually, this is fun. I, I always give the deal to any CEO that works for me. If you don't think I'm going to learn anything doing a voice of the customer program, I will refund your money at the table when we do the findings report. I've never had to write the check. Just, That's a really good way a, of positioning it too. It's a point of view. I mean, it's just, you can't, the, the maker of something can't think about it in any other way than as a maker. And you shouldn't, no matter how well, you know, I, I don't disagree that Jeff, you know, Hubbleish Blukes better than everybody. But the buyer, <laughs> I don't even know how I'm going to spell that for this episode title, but <laughs> I think it's gotta the be the title. That I'm, one of the things I absolutely love about the way you're talking about this is I think a thing that you're doing, and I think you're doing this very intentionally is you're using the term brand awareness in the sense that it is traditionally used in the general market rather than what it actually means. Cause I'm a brand guy. So when I hear brand awareness, I hear it in two, I hear in two different ears, right? In the one ear, I hear what most people are saying when they say they want that, which is what you've been talking about. Hi, we exist. When I think of brand awareness, it means I want to make people aware of a specific aspect of our brand that differentiates and sets us apart from everybody else in the world. And the only way that you're going to do that in a meaningful and interesting way is by completely understanding who you are for and who you are at your core. Finding that overlap between what people are saying about you, what you say about yourself and what you actually deliver. That brand unity of those three aspects, you wanna make people aware of that because that's authentic and that's real brand and real brand awareness. And that's what actually moves people into that real funnel to get to yep. that point where you can have that mid and late stage funnel activity. So I really, I wanna just call out and appreciate that you're, you're using it in the same way that people say, I need SEO. And it's like, you don't even know what that means. Right. You're saying right. you want right. it, but you don't know what that actually means. Yeah. Good SEO is a result of understanding who you are, speaking to an audience and ways that they care about. And SEO what are the is the words result. that they're searching for. What are the words they're right. using? That's, what are the different sites that have you know, authority on this topic? And yeah. So there, I, I want to, I just want to call that out. I think that's such a, a, an important thing that you're doing there. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I think it's such an important thing that you're doing there. And I think when we get to that conversation of mid and late stage where you're asking those questions, I would argue as a brand guy that that is, in addition to being sales and marketing work, that's brand work because you're yep. understanding the essence of who you are as a company and you're tying back those insights. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, you, you were actually very aligned on this. Uh, most people won't know the name David Ogilvy, but yeah. he was the founder, one of the, the, historic guys in the ad world. And he was a big believer in what he would have called long form direct mail and long form advertising. Yep. Today we would say it's an article online on a website. It's a thought leadership piece. We just have different words for it, but there's nothing new there. And, and you're right. SEO is a result of Google 
nobody is going to get it better than Google. And if you have expertise and, and people are looking, people want to solve their pains. There's very few motivators bigger than solving your own pain. I mean, I can, you, you can tell me that I can solve this pain or that pain or help the company or whatever, but really, I mean, it sounds selfish, but it's the reality is it's the pain. That's my pain is the first thing I want to get rid of. If my arm is bleeding, I'm going to solve it before I do anything else. So financial strategy. Anyway, so long, we're, we're on the, we're in alignment there. Google's yeah, yeah, a result, totally SEO is a result of, of doing this well. I think. I think one thing that, um, as I kind of think one more kind of a wrapping comment about what people should think about is, is the, uh, the techniques of, well, we'll call them social liber call it social liberation and the science, um, points to social liberation as a powerful tool. So in, in um, consumer advertising, maybe it's a little bit easier. You know, I, I hire LeBron James, he's going to, um, tout my workout thing that attaches to the wall. Is it a mirror or a tonal or a, you know, it's one yeah, of those. Tonal. Yeah. Tonal. Well, come on. Does LeBron James use a tonal or does he have a $150,000 a year trainer in his own gym? I, we all know the answer to that. We all know the answer, but they're using social liberation because it's an endorsement, right? It's a, it's a powerful way to take somebody who says, well, I never considered getting in shape, but I guess if LeBron does it, maybe I should look into that. He's popular. He's a, well, that's really great. But what, what about the other 99.9% .9 of us who don't have something that LeBron's going to tout? Well, social liberation is great at creating not awareness that something exists, but an awareness that it might matter to me. And that's the key, right? Matters. What, what Jeff does matters to me. How, what, you do what the Hubbly Spluke company, how does that matter to me? Um, that's what I've got to do. So social liberation is simply the use of an admired person. It might be, let's go back to the electrical space. It might be an elect well-known in the industry that's getting ready to retire. That could be your social liberation. And if you're selling electrical components, that's the person I want to, to tell the story of what we're doing or why, why, why it matters, that expert, uh, there could be a scientist. It could be a, a, it could be a long time user. Um, now, okay. So a lot of people are going, well, wait a second. What you're talking about is testimonials. No, I'm not. A testimonial can be one of the forms of this and that's fine. It has a video, a print, a, a quote, whatever. But the idea is, remember, not saying you don't want the scientists to say you need to know this company exists. It's the hero complex. This company and their solution changed my world. So the interesting thing is it's about the person. It's about the person who went through this journey before you and they're telling their own story. The subjective advertising, I'm showing it tomorrow in a, in a pitch. Um, some of the most effective advertising we did happened about 20 years ago as we were learning to do this. And it was full. And I'm going to do it was a newspaper, full page newspaper ad with a photograph of a CEO. Deepa Bate was one of them. And Deepa shared her observations about the economy and business and the region and her specialization. And it was long form advertising. And at the very end, it's, it had the company who paid for the ad and it said, we've been proud to represent Deepa Bate for 22 years in the such and such space in the such and such region. And that's all it said. They ended up doing about 32 or three of these ads because they were raging successes two ways. One, the, the, the companies, uh, the CEOs of the company that they were representing, they all were approaching them saying, Hey, I'd, you know, I'd be willing to be, in one of these ads, if you wanted to ask me. So it ended up being this like client retention tool. But the thing was the social liberation technique that worked is, Oh, wow. That person is smart and they're wise. They look like me. They sound like me. They think like me. And they're using that firm to provide professional services. I never even thought about that. Maybe I should consider that. That was the win. If we would have done those ads in a way that said, 
this professional services provider is great. I trust them for everything. They're great. They're great. They're great. I'm bored. I'm not even going to read it. I just tune it out, you know? So I, I got to If you can flip awareness to being something that helps me a, a revelation about why that business, why, what it is you sell or serve, um, service, then if you can help me understand why it's relevant to me by telling a story, then you've got a really powerful, effective early stage. So I said earlier, we're experts at late stage, closing middle of the funnel, late stage funnels deals. But the easiest thing to access and uh, understand is this, the mistakes and 80% of the companies we do pipeline audits for, they spend too much money too soon on this very subject. So that's where I would tell you practically to start. Spend more money it. later and talk about somebody else other than yourself. I love it. It That's reminds me of um, your example made me think of um, there was a show called Heroes on NBC and the first season Nissan had bought all of the ad slots and said and at the beginning of the show said we've you know we're bringing you this uh, show advertising free. Um, we've basically like we've bought out all the advertising and what it it I, and I'll never forget it because I really wanted to watch the show. I love superheroes. And I really was uh, appreciative of they were able to allow me to watch the show without ad interruptions, which annoy me and disrupt the flow of the show. So I always it made me develop an affinity for Nissan because it whether they care or not is irrelevant. But it it, it occurred to me as we care about what you care about. Like we know that this is important to you and we care about you. Therefore, we care about what you care about and we're buying out these ad slots. And I think as yeah. a brand, if you can do that sort of work, whether it's we care about the values that you have and we share them or we care about the entertainment or the information that's important to you and you can do that, I, I think any of that is going to go a long way. And I like the way that you distinguish it against uh, testimonials. You also did a really good job of setting me up for where I want to kind of like close out and wrap your story, which was to talk about how your story needs to end with sort of the transformation that that occurred as a result of it, right? Like you talked about the hero's journey. Mm. You talked about sort of the conflict in it. I don't know if you noticed it, but the arc of this show is a little bit hero's journey. I want to talk about kind of what was the problem that was happening? How did you know that you were having the problem? How did you then overcome it? What were the sources that you looked to, to come to, to get past it? And then when it came point uh, for you to, you know, end in success and avoid failure, how did that ultimately transform you? So you look at the people that are, you know, uh, that are, they're taking this advice right now from you about uh, thinking about the buyer first, going through that that exercise of really learning what's important to them, spending more of your money down funnel rather than up funnel, stop wasting so much on we exist and more on I understand what you're going through. I care about what you care about. You've got that, right? What is the outcome that is the the result of doing that sort of work? I mean, you've you've obviously got good client stories. I, and But I want to start where you started this story, which was about you. You had mm. this epiphany, this call from your doctor. It was freezing cold out at 70 degrees. And you were, <laughs> you were having this epiphany about how you wanted your life to change as a result of doing this work. How has your life changed as a result of doing this work? What, what's different by way of understanding these processes yep. and implementing them? That's a uh, very kind question. Thank you. Um, it's changed in so many ways. Um, that I'm not sure where to begin. Uh, I'm in the early stages of uh, putting this all together. I, you know, I, I admire what you're doing where you're helping agencies. Um, I would love to 10, 15 years from now have impacted five, six, 7,000 ad agencies. You know, there's, there's a subset of agencies that don't care about what we're talking about, but there's, there's people like me that, that were, young and trying to figure this thing out and they really wanted to enrich their clients lives and that's something that our vision at Fitzmartin is to enrich our clients enrich our community and enrich our cohort so by enriching our clients i do mean make them money but i also mean i want them to achieve their personal goals and their life goals same thing for the community i want the community to have money pay my taxes be part of the financial environment of the community but also we want to make it a better community, right? And then cohort, they need to make money. My team needs to make money, but also they need to have great lives, you know? So this um, vision comes out of a heart of helping. And I would love to in 10 years know that there's 
500, 1,000 agencies that say, I can go into a meeting now and instead of saying, I like something or I think this will work, there's a way I can present and rec make recommendations that are sound. They're based on science. They're not based on my opinion. They're based on some third party um, proof and evidence. And do we have evidence? Yeah, I mean, we've got all kinds of, you know, lift numbers, um, <clears throat> you know, market growth numbers, uh, market qualified lead number increases, ROI increases, um, you know, I had a good story from getting a, an email from a salesperson the other day that said, Hey, I, I just closed a $500,000 initial order and this company is going to be huge. It's gonna, they're going to lifetime value is going to be massive. Thank you for your help. Well, not many marketers ever get that email. And I applauded the salesperson for even sharing that. And I don't want attribution. I didn't close the deal. I love that the salesperson thought that we helped and, and felt that we helped. That was great. So, I mean, I want other people to experience that. I want, I want to give uh, my life away to, to helping business executives be successful and, and quit this uh, kind of journey of not being trained and not sure how to uh, manage and deal with marketing. But if I can provide a way that you can manage with mar manage marketing and understand that it's a real value proposition that there's, um, you know, 192 things marketing can do to serve a business. Like that's incredible. That so I want to give that away. I'm I'm going to try to put together a centricity. We're we're um, doing a series of, of uh, podcasts. We're going to write some books. We're going to do some videos. So I'll, I look forward to sharing all that when it's uh, when it's time. But that doesn't help you for now. I'd I'd say for now you could read the same science I've read, changing for good. And um, I've never met Prochotka, Norcross, or DiClemente, but man, they changed my life. You know, right. you, I'm going to add could, that to my book list. I, as if you I can see I'm the book, fan. I can. Yeah, if this that, was video, like that's a, well a lot loved of bookmarks. Book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a well-loved book. But um, you know, and I, I would say personally, um, one reason I'm willing to stand behind this too is. Uh, as a believer in the ancient scriptures and as a Christian, I wanted to know that this was more than science. And so I took some time and there's a really fabulous study. If you want to read uh, the Old Testament and uh, Exodus, the book of Exodus and the life of Moses, um, you know, you ever wonder, we've all heard the story of Moses goes into Egypt and brings out the nation of Israel and parts the Red Sea. Guess what? That's a story of behavioral change. Moses was in a field with sheep and he saw a burning bush. That sound like an advertising, an advertisement, maybe a burning bush. <laughs> hey, what is that thing? And, and asked the questions and got into this argument with God. I can't go back. I'm going to, I'm a murderer. They won't. I mean, so if you believe in the scriptures, then this is a sound biblical model as well as being a sound scientific model. And I personally need more and more things I can stand on with, with assurance it's not just some marketing schmuck's opinion. <laughs> so I dig it. I'd be the marketing schmuck, not you, Jeff. No, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, let's do this. I want you to, uh, in one sentence, tell people what they should take away from this episode. One sentence. What's the takeaway? The clear takeaway from this episode. Hire Jeff. No, come on. What's the real takeaway? What? So you've given a lot here. You really, there's a lot of things we can yeah. focus on here, but, but there's it, an essence here. I, I mean, I have in my head what the one sentence is, but that doesn't do any good here. I want, I can't to wait to hear it. Yeah. I can't wait to hear it. Um, shed these ideas of blue sky, creative changes the world and understand that there is a systematic approach to both sales and marketing. It doesn't have to be, it's not a mystery. It's not a mystery. Don't let don't let any uh, hype hubris or hyperbole make you think so. My one sentence for it would be: It's not about you. It's about them. It's not. And if you make it all about them, you're going to have a lot more success. That's centricity. How I centricity. Centricity. And exactly. we apply centricity to sales, marketing, technology, and creative. Yeah. I mean, centricity informs all of that. So tell people where they can connect with you. Take a moment, share where they can get in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing, find you leading the way. Yeah. Um, just so Fitzmartin, F-I-T-Z-M-A-R-T-I-N.com is the website. And uh, 
if you hit the sales or contact button, I'm going to get it eventually. I will be glad to share any of this with you. Um, and I had the fortune to be published by uh, Greek Courses, uh, Rock Bench Publishing out of Nashville. I'll send you a copy of the book, Shift. And uh, that book is designed specifically for executives who found themselves in charge of marketing, but they were never trained for it. And uh, it's just a helpful hints and a framework, understanding of this framework. And it even gives you four questions you should ask while you're interviewing agencies and marketing people to join your team. That's so, good. Good inside Super practical. tips. So yeah, yeah, I'll give it all away. Why, why not? All right. Good stuff. Well, everyone, please reach out uh, to Sean. He, uh, he will get your uh, contact form and send you a book. All right. So here's where I want to end on. And I think you're going to appreciate this. I just get this vibe from you. I get this vibe that you're going to appreciate this one. You didn't even know this was coming. So this is like, this is real authentic. So here we go. How, what are your feelings on gratitude as a, as an act of your life? How do you feel about gratitude? Mm. Important in your life, not important in your life. Do you do it often? Do you have a journal? Yeah. It's, uh, in three days, I'm leading our company retreat. And one of the first subjects is going to be, um, how have you been generous this quarter? Perfect. All right. So you're going to love this then. Okay. So check it out. So I wrote this book called The Lovable Leader. I'm very proud of it. I think it's the best thing I've ever done professionally. So when I say the term lovable leader, I've noticed that that term tends to resonate with people. It immediately conjures up in their mind, either the antithesis of it or someone that fits that description in their mind. So what I want to do to close this episode out is I'd like you to think of whoever, when I say the term lovable leader, the first person that comes to your mind there. This is generally someone who exhibited care in your life, someone who you trusted and who in the midst of setting big goals for you provided a lot of safety for you to get there. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to mute myself and fade into the background here. And I'm going to give you this opportunity. If you're comfortable with it, you can say as much or as little as you want, but I'd like you to take this opportunity to speak directly to that person and thank them for their leadership, what they did and how it made an impact on you. As much as you're comfortable with, if you just want to say, hey, Bob, thanks. You were great. Go for it. But if you want to share from your heart about how that person altered the course of your life. Have at it. Well, Gail Cosby, good call out to you. Gail, you came to, when, when you came to work at uh, Fitzmartin, I told you that uh, I never, ever thought, I never dreamed of a day when we would get to work together. And the org chart, you were reporting to me, but in reality, you really taught me so much about life. It's incredible. You taught me how to be generous, how to you know reward art directors when they stayed up all night to make sure the job got done. You taught me how to be candid and frank with a client when they needed uh, honesty. And if it was hard to say, you taught me how to uh, negotiate and be kind. You taught me how to fish and hike and camp on the weekends and uh, let it all shed off so you could be renewed and um uh, I look forward to many more glasses of wine with you, and I'm so honored you've been a friend. You weren't technically my boss, but yeah, you, you were. I want to thank my guests for coming on to Shareable to share their experience and their wisdom. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for coming back and giving us the gift of your attention. There are two questions that everyone asks themselves before sharing a piece of content. One, what does sharing this content say about me? And two, will my friends, peers, or colleagues enjoy it? Think about those questions, and if you like the answer, please consider sharing this episode on your social media or send it to someone you think would enjoy it. Remember that together, we can change the world. It starts with what we give our attention to, what we share and spread, and what we collectively work toward. Now, more than ever, we need leaders who care, who work to build trust, and who stand for creating safety. I believe that is the key to creating a kinder, safer, and more equitable world. And if you ask me, that's an idea worth sharing. So between that and the generosity of my amazing guest, I guess the best way to describe this episode would be shareable. So tell me, what was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? Send me a message using the link in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Don't miss out on my other podcast, Becoming Superhuman, which is also available as an email newsletter. Get it all at jgibbard.com. If you're looking for a book to read, may I kindly suggest The Lovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. Available online wherever books are sold. And finally, if you're interested in working with me, whether it's hiring me to speak or train your organization, 
or strategic consulting and coaching, all of that information can be found at jgibbard.com. All links can be found at the bottom of the show notes. Stay safe, be kind, and please share this episode with someone who will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.